This is Photo Geek Weekly, episode 135, recorded on January 14th of 2021, the Photo Geekery show, where uh, I'm your host, Don Komarechko. We dig through all the photo news of the week and find some, uh, well, it's usually not salacious, but techie, nerdy, uh, could be ethical, could be a change of the times. We've got a lot of that, I think, today. Um, and with me to discuss it all is my good buddy, Alan Attridge. How you doing, Alan? The same. The same. Yeah. The same as you were the last time we talked. I think it was episode 125. And the time before that. And the time before that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Time kind of all floods together. And (laughs) I was was talking to, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I was talking to a, a, a friend. Uh, who was mentioning, um, I, I was mentioning, you know, remember, what was it, two, three years ago when the Australian outback was on fire and encroaching onto the cities and everything. And, I, and he said, no, Don, that that was January of last year. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, time has been uh, a very interesting construct over the last year. Um, and I think it continues to be. Uh, what, what keeps you busy uh, now that, uh, of course, you're in Germany and you've been yep. under a fairly strict lockdown for a, a certain period of time. Um, are you allowed to look out your windows yet? <laughs> uh, I, th- I have an appointment next week. If We'll see. Okay, uh, no, we, we're still allowed outside and, and I've been taking my kids. My kids, the, the school's closed. We were supposed to go back uh, a couple days ago on Monday was the, was the schedule. And then, then it got shut down after the Christmas break. And then just today found out two more weeks, extended two more weeks for this, the homeschooling, which is a little negative for us. But uh, for my kids, my kids are, are seven and nine. And so they kind of like that social interaction. Uh, yeah, my, my, my daughter is four and a half now. Uh, and uh, so she, she doesn't know what, real school is mm-hmm. because her junior kindergarten is online. So she doesn't really miss that level of interaction because she never knew it aside right. from daycare. And that was a different environment, different people and everything. So, um, but that still puts me, uh, you know, recording this, you know, in the afternoon, I just finished my teacher's assistant's duties uh, because <laughs> you have to, you know, wrangle her back into her seat and the teacher's telling her stuff and she's just doodling up a storm completely irrelevant to what it is that she should be doing. Um, and all of that time should be productive professional time for me. And it is not. That's the rub. Yeah. I mean, obviously your daughter's not going to get into a good college now based on that, but um, the, the, that's, that's what I find. I'm trying to get, there's, there's no momentum. That, that's the issue. I'm a big momentum guy. Once I'm in a project, I look up, it's three days later and you know, I'm done editing. Uh, that, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, it, it works the other way too. If I don't get started, I never get started. So the big issue with, with my kids is they, they do quite well. Like my, my wife is a teacher and she actually has to go in. She's a, she's a, a principal. And so she has to look after the kids. There's a few kids that have to go to school because their parents are doctors or nurses or, or what have you, uh, essential workers. And so she has to go in. So I'm here by myself with the kids and they think I just sit outside their room waiting to be called on. Daddy, of course you do. I need help. <laughs> <laughs> and no, you don't need help. You want help. Like, let, let's get that straight, you know, but I'm happy to help them. So. I'll oh, yeah. I, I mean, me too. And, and you know, the kitchen is right there where she is. So I've been learning to cook and um, doing all these uh, wonderful things in the kitchen because I can kind of drop that for a moment and go and help her because that's what six feet away. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and so there there have been new skills, new developments, and experiences uh, as a result. I 
uh, I, I horribly burned my hand with hot oil uh, in one such incident. So it's a learning experience in a very physical form as well. <laughs> but, um, hey, uh, Alan, uh, what, I, I have to ask this because um, last year at about the same uh, at about the same time, you had announced to us a uh, a flaw in your gift giving uh, strategy uh, when you bought your daughter a bike, and it was the it was the only thing that you bought her. Uh, so I just have to go back and touch on this again. Did you have any problems with Christmas this year? Okay, so that was two years ago. See, fluidity of time. I can't, <laughs> I can't figure this out. Yeah, so since then, um, yeah, so two years ago, two, I, bought, I bought my daughter a bike, which I thought was going to, first of all, I thought it was going to last for eight years, and it was going to be the best present ever. She didn't care, and she's already outgrown it, which is nice. Uh, my daughter's growing very, very quickly. Um, and so then last then last year, she got a, a wooden horse because she loves horses. She loved that. It was the greatest thing ever made. And uh, I didn't even make it. For about it. a week. <laughs> no, no, it's, no, no, she loves it. She, it's in okay. her room. She, she, she has a name for it. It's, it's, she loves the thing. Uh, but this year, she wanted a uh, fitness tracker, like a Fitbit kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which I don't understand. She's nine and she wants to count her steps. Okay. She's at fit. That age, oh, she's you a fit can kid. Count them in your head. Uh. Uh, she's getting, she's, she is getting 12,000 a day. So I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what that means. Is that good? Is that a thing? But I, all- I think that's good. I, I don't count my steps. I'm, I live a rather sedentary lifestyle myself. Okay. But all her friends at school, you know, when there was school, they, they ah, all there have it them. is. They were talking about it and the peer pressure. Right. You want to be inclusive into that environment. Sure. Well, yeah, I want to sort of mitigate that as best I can. And I would like her to be the one putting the pressure on the other kids. <laughs> hey, enough. who wants to stay home and do homework? That's that's what I want them to do. But uh, so, yeah, this Christmas was much better. Uh, she got that. And my son, who's seven, uh, he got a little drone that he can fly and he loves uh, it. Well, that, that is, I think much more exciting than a bike. So <laughs> I, I, I think yeah. you win uh, at least this year. All right. We had to touch base on that. Uh, but uh, let's go into the stories of, uh, uh, of the weekend. These, I mean, the numbers always come out sometime in January about how the previous year did in terms of camera sales. Uh, and BCN Retail, which is a Japanese uh, analyst firm, uh, they're numbers that I usually reference on uh, roughly an annual basis as to how the industry was going. Uh, and uh, it wasn't great uh, in terms of at least traditional camera sales. Um, there have been there's a significant drop, uh, 40.4% in sales, in specific markets, mind you. Um, and I'm wondering if you had a look at the numbers and uh, based on the launches, you know, we saw a bit of a resurgence in the later part of the year, you know, around October or so, mm-hmm. um, because we had some new camera uh, uh, launches, notably the uh, Sony a7C and the Lumix uh, uh, S5. Uh, Canon had a uh, their, their M50 Mark II and Fuji brought out the, uh, was it the XS10, I think? Uh, so there was a, a, a resurgence of some new products on the market, which kind of recovered a bit. But in my opinion, the whole year has been people sort of waiting to see, okay, well, when when are we going to see the other side of this pandemic? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? I do have money to spend now, but I might not next month. Maybe I'll need that. You're going to be uh, keeping your reserves a little bit closer uh, you know, uh, uh, to your chest. 
and not necessarily going out and investing in new equipment. Um, and I think that's sort of the mantra of this year, except for webcams. Right. Um, because the webcams, those sales have just soared to like 500% in some months as to what they would have been in previous months. So if you're not in the webcam industry, I, I don't know how much money Logitech has been making, but I should have invested in them when I saw this whole pandemic coming down. Would not have been a, a bad plan. Now, sales are down, they say. Is it down? Who, who, who are they down amongst? Is it the average consumer? Is it the professional it doesn't delineate that really, and and I, I loaded up the uh, the article with uh, Google Translate because it's all in Japanese and it's a little bit broken English. Uh, but they said that digital cameras and digital video cameras, just in general, uh, they dropped by around sixty to seventy percent. Okay. You know, if you exclude the the webcam market from from those numbers, um, and regardless of who you are. Uh, you're probably below average on that. Like if, if the average is a minus 65, right. then I don't think anybody's in the plus region on that. Uh, well, well, I, I do count. I'm, I'm in that percentage of people who did not buy a camera this year, who probably would have, I would probably would have picked up one of the Canon mirrorless. That was, that was in my, that was in my sights. And a couple of the jobs that I, typically do. I have a couple of jobs in Canada that are guaranteed every year, really great jobs. Those were just, it wasn't going to happen. I couldn't go to Canada. So that job was for all intents and purposes gone. No, nothing. So I had nothing to shoot. I couldn't justify buying it. Now it wasn't a situation of, well, I didn't want to spend the money. It was, well, I don't really need this. I can't use this right now. So yeah. I'll potentially have the money and, and maybe the price will come down next year when I need it. Now, what ended up happening is that job did reemerge. However, it was an online version where I basically had the client shoot all their own stuff with their iPhones, ship it to me in Germany uh, via the, the internet, of course. And I pieced that all together. So I, I still did the same project, but without a camera. So I didn't well, don't, need don't say uh, obviously via the internet because I had to ship footage uh, to the UK on a physical hard drive oh. um, because it just wouldn't upload uh, Okay, because the, the files are just so massive. Well, of course, you're not going to get that off of a cell phone, but um, right. Uh, so I, I'm glad that job materialized in some form. Yeah, but... it worked out. I get to buy my kid a bike. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. But, but so I, I looked at that. So I'm one of those people, but I can't imagine that, that, uh, the entire camera market is relying on me and a few other professionals for that. I mean, I think those people are still going to buy cameras. For for Christmas, the last few years, what I have noticed, Christmas and New Year's, we're getting a lot more uh, sort of e-Christmas cards from people, from my friends and, and family, whatever. People are sending them via just emailing them, right? Yep. What have you noticed about those Christmas cards that you're getting? Um, well, uh, somebody sent me one and I can't say from who or what, but it included one of my photographs that had been infringed oh, no. in the card and they knew it. Uh, okay. and it wasn't them that created it and I can't name the companies, but there was a copyright infringement. Oh, sales. I thought they did it for a joke. No, no. Oh, no. Uh, they, they found it on one of those websites uh-huh. Uh, and uh, they sent it my way uh, with a greetings 
as a method of informing me of this infringement. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, so not it's that. It's taking well, a lot of different faces on that. Okay, well, this actually, the, this, this, this plays in then. What I have noticed from the people who send me family photos is the photos are getting better and better every year. And the photos that we got this year, I looked at and thought, and these are taken with their new iPhones. Yeah, the portrait mode's fantastic. It is amazing. It, and so I look at this and I think, I just thought, well, I guess I'm out of a job. I better find something else to do. <laughs> Got to pivot here because I can't imagine, I don't know who, unless you're like a rich lawyer or something and you're going to buy uh, like a nice Leica, which I would recommend doing, by the way, if you're a rich lawyer. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know what I would suggest which camera I would suggest uh, people to buy now. The iPhones are, or not, sorry, not iPhones, smartphones. Yeah. Smartphones I mean, are outstanding. The, the latest iPhone has the LiDAR sensor on it, which uh, theoretically, and I haven't uh, actually gone into to test this yet, has the ability to create a much better depth map uh, of your subject, which is then computationally, uh, you know, used to blur the background in, in beautiful and um, seemingly, uh, expensive ways, you know, like using an sure. F1.4 lens or something that would, uh, you know, do that by actually manipulating light. But, you know, we've got that uh, as part of the equation. So some of the amateur market might be disappearing. I, I honestly think, though, that the new round of cameras that came out this year um, used a lot of the tech that was previously available. Um, you know, we're still waiting on Sigma to come out with a new foveon sensor. Uh, that, that was supposed to be with the launch of the L-Mount Alliance, and it's been delayed indefinitely. Uh, hopefully, it's still in development. Uh, I know that there's a lot of uh, uh, organic sensor technology that is currently in pipelines from various companies. I've heard stuff mm -hmm. from Sony and, and, and stuff that will eventually hit the market. And I think that a lot of photographers are waiting to say, okay, well, I don't want to have just a notch up from what I've got because nobody's asking me to have that. Mm -hmm. um, and if they are, well, you know, build that into the budget for whatever you're asking for. Uh, and so if you're going to be kind of future-proofing your investment on your next purchase, it might be that next big technological leap, which, I mean, I hope is going to be coming this year. Uh, and, and that will, uh, what I'm saying is that this lull in the, the market is kind of a, 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 a pent-up demand, right? Where people, mm -hmm. th th they're waiting and they're waiting because, you know what, m money might have been tight. You might have had some uncertainties and then there might have been a stimulus check and you're thinking, okay, that's great. I got the, but I should maybe hold on to that just in case. Right. Uh, until there is a very solid reason for you to get that new camera. So I we're think that's going to be a bounce back. We are a few weeks away from version 10 of the invisible camera. So... <laughs> Hold on for that. Yes. I, I asked uh, uh, Chris Marquardt if he was going to make an invisible version of his upcoming pinhole camera. And uh, I don't think I got a response. I've but, already made a few. I'll sell them to you. Uh, yeah. You're going to be disappointed. <laughs> uh, I, I, hey, I have serial one uh, of uh, serial number one of his uh, pinhole camera with, I believe it's Ashwood um, that is on that one. And uh, that is sitting proudly in my display case. I've only ever used it a handful of times, but I need to get back out and, uh, and put that thing to the test. Um, uh, partly because I just bought some more 4x5 film. Uh, yeah, I, mm -hmm. you know, over the holidays, you see all those sales of stuff. And I actually got uh, in on a group buy of 11 by 14 uh, portrait film from Kodak. So I have 10 sheets of 11 by 14 color film that uh, eventually when I finish restoring my 
11 by 14 studio camera, I'll put it to use. It's in my freezer right now because I don't expect to get to it for a decade. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I think Apple Apple killed the radio star on this one. That's kind of what happened. Um, and it's, it, it makes sense to me. You know, I, I see the, like I say, I see the pictures that people are taking. I can't recommend any more. You give me uh, a, a Fender Stratocaster or a cardboard ukulele with two strings, you can't tell, you're not going to tell the difference what comes out. But <laughs> you look look at the difference between the, the iPhone and the and whatever else. It's it's amazing. So, well, I, I, amazing to a certain clientele with a certain uh, you know expectation. Right now, I I think that over the last specifically five years, as soon as we started to get this portrait mode stuff, uh, you know, start to filter into the smartphone market, um, the people like I, even still today, like if I take a photo of my daughter on a swing. Um, the chains or the ropes of the swing, mm-hmm. they're not properly detected by right. uh, the portrait mode. And there's like blotches, stuff, fences have issues the same mm-hmm. way. Uh, it's not perfect, but especially this year, when you're watching network television and somebody's in their living room and you have a crackle or a breakup every five to eight words, that's become normal and accepted. So I think yeah. the bar is moving lower and lower mm-hmm. in, in, in that metric in terms of what people say. Well, you know what? It's not perfect. I can see the flaws. I don't care as much now because I'm seeing those flaws everywhere and we're just going to feign disbelief. That was the rolling shutter uh, argument. It was like, well, eventually you'll get used to it and that'll be that. Even though I hate it. The jello effect. Yeah. Can't stand it. Uh, I'm, not getting, I'm not getting rid of my cameras and, and buying a, a smartphone to replace that yet. I, I don't recommend that. If you want to do anything remotely professional or semi-pro, still go out and I take my Fuji X100 with me. I love that one. It's not going to get replaced anytime soon. Well, and, you know, talking about uh, replacing things, you might have to replace uh, the place where you get your photos developed. Developed is such an old school word, but uh, get them printed, let's say, because Costco, uh, I mean, they have been a bastion of cheap food and bulk purchases, but they also had a really nice photo counter for the longest time where they would sell you cameras uh, at a pretty good deal, but um, they would also develop your prints. And uh, it's just been announced that Costco is shuttering all remaining in, and who knows how many there are. I haven't actually seen a, a number of how many remained, but all remaining photo departments in Canada and the U.S. by Valentine's Day, February 14th of this year. Um, this, uh, I mean, it, it strikes a chord with me, uh, but what does it strike with you? Uh, well, for me, I don't, I, I know Adam, the guy uh, I, I co-host of the Two Hosers uh, photo show. Um, oh, hold on a second. Yeah. Tell us about the Two Hosers photo show. If you're listening to this, you must know it, right? No. The, uh, it's a show I do with uh, Adam Schwartz. We actually just passed 10 years the other day, as a matter of fact. Congrats. Thank you. That's uh, uh, a show a week for 10 years without missing, and that's more a, a testament to Adam because he's, you know, sketchy. But um, <laughs> uh, so Adam, who lives in, in Richmond, British Columbia, he, he, he swears by Costco's in-house photo uh, processing lab. He, that's that's his go-to place. He loves it. He's downloaded the the uh, what the driver. What do you call the uh, the profile? Yep. Costco has a profile. He puts it on so he can match. He can do photo matching. They do a great job. It's where all his prints get done. So he's going to be devastated by this. <laughs> this doesn't come yeah. as a surprise to me. Obviously, like, I, I read the article that you sent, and and they said, oh yeah, but there's fewer prints. And I said, yeah, of course there is. Like that 
that's it's been going that way for a long time. I imagine very few people get anything printed anymore, which is sad. I, I really well, it, it is. Um, you know, I I had to print out a photo um, for my uh, my daughter's show and tell, just a family photo. She was holding up in front of mm-hmm. uh, the camera on her tablet that she does her classes with, and you know, I, I I've got printing equipment. I've got a forty four inch printer behind me, and and uh, you know, I, I don't use it at least not this year. I haven't used it a whole lot. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, I've been trying to find reasons to use it just so that the print heads don't dry up. And, right. Uh, and and so who knows what scenarios they were in. But you could imagine having a desk that is manned by a person. Uh, there's an overhead for, you know, payroll and, and the equipment and the maintenance and, mm-hmm. and everything. Um, I used to work at Black's Photography. And um, that was a great little photo store that uh, you know did a lot of printing business. We had a Fuji Frontier system in the back, which was a hybrid between um, uh, digital and and chemical uh, development because it would be exposed with lasers on a a chemical uh, you know a, a photosensitive paper that goes through a chemical bath, which was pretty cool. I love the quality of those prints. Um, that's all gone. Uh, mm-hmm. and in fact, Telus, uh, the telecommunications company bought them and that didn't go so great because that market was just disappearing at that time. And, and I just looked it up because they still exist. Uh, blacks.ca is still a company. Um, but I looked up their, uh, uh, their about us page and it says it wasn't the end of blacks though. Uh, not in the least Canadian based company, uh, les pros de la photo, uh, my French accent is terrible, uh, acquired the brand and decided to assure the future prosperity of Blacks as an online photo printing service. Wonderful. Is I it Noirs their, now? Uh, <laughs> I pull up their website uh, and there's no mention of Blacks anywhere on their website. They mention, you know, five other companies that they, right. that they own, uh, but the Blacks is not, not one of them. It's a Montreal-based company. So um, that, as a brief aside, goes to what, uh, what Costco is doing. I mean, if they transition to be online only, that's fine. You know, uh, most people have, uh, there's a lot of good printing companies that are online only, and then they ship the prints to your door. And I think that's a viable business model still because it's very scalable. Mm-hmm. You don't have the, the overhead, the footprint in the store, which you could use for other things that might be more profitable. I, as sad as I am to say it, I think it makes sense that Costco cancels this out. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and if they, if they take that exact same, uh, you know, the, the profile system and everything else and just roll that into online only, then Adam might not be that sad. No, I'm sure he'll be fine with it. And so, so what I use over here is, is, uh, I still, I still use in-store printing now and then like it comes up, um, right. Where, where I, I quickly need a, like a small print, like a four by six, we say 10 by 15 here in centimeters. Uh, um, and so there's times where I'll have to pop into the uh, the place. I go to a place called the DM, which is like for you would be like um, uh, Shoppers Drug Mart, for example. Yeah. And so you, I go in there. It's about twenty five cents to get a print. They're fine. Sometimes they're fine. Sometimes they're a little bit less than fine. But you know, it, it, it'll they work. You know, they do they do it instantly. That's great. If if I want anything like I'm going to hang on the wall or much better. I use their online service. Now it goes through the same place. It uses a, it's a German printing company called, I think it's called Save, C E W E. And it all handled, it's all handled by the same. And what you do there is what kind of imagine what you would do at Costco is you, you order it 
uh, online, very simple to do, all calendars, books, whatever you want to do, and they will ship it to your to your door for uh, extra shipping fee, or they'll ship it for free to the nearest DM location. So you can just go pick it up, pay for it there. It's wildly simple. It's We're talking about a couple days delay. That's it. So I understand right. the need to, but sometimes when it's my son's birthday and I've decided I'm going to, uh, when he, not this year, obviously, but last year, uh, all his buddies come over for the birthday. I'm going to snap their photo, build them a quick, like, um, it would be like a, it'd be like a hockey card, but here it's soccer, of course, build, make them their own soccer card to put in the gift bag as they leave in two hours. Yeah. So that, that means I got to zip over, get them printed and run back and put them in. And so for or stuff like that, just buy, buy yourself a printer. Um, I stopped doing that a long time ago. I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I, I got very, I loved having a printer in the house. I loved it because you, there was, I would print anything and everything. I, I did not worry about it, but I got sick of updating drivers and Twains and Clemens and buying ink and then that that ink dried up but then you need this one well i don't i'm only printing black and white well you're out of yellow oh yeah but i'm, I'm printing black and white yeah but the yellow is kind of low and and so nothing would print and i just got tired of it and so after i probably had five different printers cycled through and then of course it won't you can't get a driver for that new computer so now you have to dig up your old laptop in the attic how far down this rabbit hole do you want me to go don uh, Twain Stop doesn't me. exist anymore, Alan. It's okay. been a long time. Uh, but the uh, the the idea with uh, with with my large format printers, as I mentioned earlier, I got to maintain them. So sometimes yes. I'll just print off a bunch of family snaps um, on like a twenty four inch roll of paper and cut them down. Uh, not because well, I don't want to say not because I want to. Obviously, I do want to have them in a physical form. But I'm doing that as a way to just keep the ink flowing through the printer, so it's yeah. not sitting and stagnating. It's mm-hmm preventative maintenance for the printer uh, and thereby I get my uh, family photos as a business expense. So, uh, <laughs> well, but, there you go. But, but, but the idea uh, with that is if anybody wants a print in a heartbeat, you know, that, that should be ready. Uh, it might have to do a nozzle check or something. So it might take a few minutes if it hasn't been active for a little while. But if a print head on that printer uh, malfunctions and needs to be replaced, that's a $542 charge Canadian. Right. Um, and it takes two of them. So let's hope it's only one that needs to be replaced at a time. And that's what I got tired of. And so I've I decided, you know what, rather than, you know, doing them myself for eight cents a print, I'll, I'll outsource it for 25 cents and, and they can worry about the issues, which they don't really worry about. And I get streaks on the prints, but you know, <laughs> it, it kind of works out in the end, but I do encourage people to, to make this the year. Okay. That you get more prints. I, I grew distant. I've grown a little disenchanted with digital photography, sort of, I like doing it. However, I really, the fact that it's really a whole bunch of ones and zeros on a hard drive, I can't see into got to me this year or last year. And, uh, I I definitely like seeing a lot of, like the calendars, the books and whatnot. Yeah, well, and, and especially, you know, that shoebox of old photos that you might come across in your grandparents. I mean, that 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 doesn't really happen anymore. We we don't we don't store photos in that same way. And I'm not saying that we should, but that's still a nice thing to have. It is. And Alan gets up and he he walks away from his beautifully manicured studio to grab a shoebox filled with photos. Correct. <laughs> Exactly, exactly what I've been doing this last week is scanning old negatives. There you go. Yep. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, let them live on in the digital sense, but don't ever get rid of that shoebox of photos. No, absolutely uh, not. But to, t- talking about living on in the digital sense, uh, I'm, I'm not great at segues this episode, <laughs> but uh, talking about the, uh, the the new life of the OMD brand, formerly of Olympus, now listed as the OM Digital Solutions. And I came across a, a note from them in an email, and I tried to look up their website. Uh, and it says, to our customers... We are now independent from Olympus Corporation and have taken a new step forward as OM Digital Solutions Corporation. We aim to con- uh, cr- uh, yeah. we aim to contribute to the uh, realization of the fulfilling lives of people. Uh, and I stumbled there because their English isn't great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the English version of their website, there's still Japanese characters, uh, and it was kind of weird. And then I noticed that the guy, I guess he's the representative director and president, as it says here, um, he's really poorly cut out from the background that he's on. <laughs> I guess he white edges around that and a really bad shadow applied in Photoshop behind him. Yeah. Like, and this is not a great start. Like, I thought, I thought start. you and sent then I click me on the link. I was like, oh, wow, this is Chad's MySpace. I get it. Yeah. And then I click on the, the link that says product slash support. And you know where that brings you, Alan? Uh, that brings I, you to the Olympus Imaging website. Okay. But if they've distanced themselves from Olympus, why does the link to their products go go to Olympus? I don't think that it's fully formulated it yet. It does say OMD. Uh, How bizarre. Uh, yeah. And then there's a message from the president that I'm not going to go into all the, the details of. They're showing. But if you click on message to the pres- or from the president, you scroll down, the text doesn't line up with the blue overlay, like it's just so mm-hmm. poorly put together that I just, if this is the best. So are you sad that, for them? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, well, I'm, I'm sad for anybody that has bought an Olympus camera and is now that that's the end of the line. Yes. Panasonic still makes the micro four thirds lenses and there's some really great ones out there from both companies, but I just feel like this is going out with a whimper or not with not anything else. It's just going to slowly degrade. If this is representative of their professionalism and the people that they have running the machinery behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. it's very ominous to me that this is not going to go well. Okay, I, I see. Personally, I don't think I've ever had an, an Olympus camera in my hand. Um, so for me, I really don't care whether it exists or doesn't. It's not going to change my life. Except I do like competition, and any competition in the marketplace just drives uh, better and better products and drives the tech. So I get it. What What are you going to miss from Olympus? Um, they did a lot of revolutionary stuff with the uh, uh, the uh, EM One uh, X that uh that introduced like a handheld high resolution mode that went from 20 megapixels to 50 megapixels and um, th- there was some really cool tech that they were developing and that i would wish would be in in more cameras and it could just be that all of that was produced so that they have some uh some exciting patents in a portfolio that mm-hmm. could be licensed or sold off at this point um which i i'm kind of hopeful of uh, only because I don't shoot with Olympus and I'd love that technology in the cameras that I do shoot with. Right. So, uh, I, I, I remember their, uh, 60 millimeter micro four thirds macro lens that had a little dial, uh, a little lever that you could move on the lens itself. That would be a shortcut directly to one-to-one magnification focus point. And I thought that was a novel, 
cool mm-hmm. idea. I haven't seen that on any other lens than that particular one. Um, so there was some nice stuff. Originally, their menu system was so garbage. Uh, the first EM1, <laughs> um, I, I had a student that brought that to a workshop at one point, and I had to go through like two levels of menus to change the ISO. Um, right. It was, it, they, they'd come a long way since then, uh, and they'd garnered a, a significant following and they just rolled out some really nice, um, uh, telephoto lens offerings, uh, in, in late 2020 that finally hit the market. And so, uh, th- there was quality to their products. There was innovation to their products and they were generally getting better and better. But I guess that is going to become, and I don't want to be, uh, you know, uh, predicting per se, but it's not looking like they're going to have the momentum that they had under the Olympus brand at all. Uh, and if that's the case, less momentum in a downturn kind of turns into a bit of a crash. Unless they're going so independent that they're going to completely innovate like this, the, the hard, hard switch you talked about, and they're going to innovate and just completely surprise everybody. Uh, maybe. Uh, I'm not going to put it past them. I would love to see that happen. Um, but I don't know if that's going to be part of the process. Um, so there we are. Olympus now becomes, or Olympus's camera division has become OM digital solutions. And take a look at the show notes at, at photogeekweekly.com where the link to this, uh, is presented and, and judge for yourself because on the main page, there's three big buttons. One that says product slash, uh, slash support. One that says message from the president. Uh, the product support one has a camera symbol. The message has a, a feather pen symbol. Company profile has no symbol. Like there's, they didn't even bother to, to put one there. Like it just seems really half-baked uh, in terms of their website. And to, to miss something like that, mm-hmm. uh, it's, yeah, it just doesn't rub me the right way. It, I just feel like it's not going to end well. <laughs> uh, that, that's my prediction. I'm not basing it on anything but the presence of their website. <laughs> or you're going to get a phone call to redesign their new website next week. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I've, I'm out of the web design business and have been for some time, but uh, roll a truck of money up to me and I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's get into the workflow that I am more familiar with, however. Um, sitting in front of my desk, editing photos and videos. I've got a really nice 32-inch 4K Asus ProArt display here. Uh, and I love it. And we talked in, in the last episode about new displays coming up from a number of different companies. Um, and I didn't see this coming, though. ViewSonic has uh, unveiled a new uh, Color Pro series of monitors that includes a 32-inch 8K display aimed at photographers. Now, 8K, I was looking five or six maybe for an upgrade. But 8K is uh, is presenting itself to me. And what, what, what do you think, Alan? I mean, is, is 4K enough? Is Do we need 8K? <laughs> I, I honestly think that well, the, I have the 9K. secondary story to this... Yeah, uh, the, the secondary story to this is uh, we're going to uh, talk about sort of in tandem is Asus has announced a new dual screen ZenBook right. aimed at creatives that actually looks pretty uh, useful, pr- uh, practical, because you've got this um, secondary display that's really long and thin. 
um, that uh, in the uh, display, uh, the, the promo images has like editing timelines or uh, uh, adjustment properties and stuff on a secondary display so that they're not cluttering the main screen, uh, which would give you the ability to see whatever you're working on full screen on one with a secondary screen that has more um, settings and adjustments that I think augment the process quite nicely rather than just throwing more resolution at a single screen. Do you need either of these? Short answer. No, the second one, the, the, uh, Asus, the, that is that a tertiary screen though? Cause I'm seeing two screens, but then he has it hooked up to an external monitor as well. So then that would be a three screen setup. So it's kind of like, um, uh, if you have like a little, touch bar on on a on a macbook uh-huh. uh on steroids that takes up right. half of the base of the uh, of the device so i'm looking at uh, this and thinking uh adam schwartz again from the two hosers he's going to love this uh because he's a physiotherapist by day and there's going to be a lineup of people out of his, out his door needing help look at look at this guy's posture look at his neck i cannot imagine <laughs> working like that for more than five minutes you uh you know not really. I mean, I, I work in a desktop environment where, uh, you know, I, I'm in a comfy chair. I got good posture here and all that. But um, if I could have, uh, and this could be useful for me, a secondary sort of long strip display that I could put somewhere within reach that's in an ergonomic standpoint that is a touch display that I can use, you know, my mouse with my right hand, that screen with my left hand, uh, divert either of them to the keyboard if I need to do something. Um uh, I think that would be ideal. And mm-hmm. uh, aside from Wacom's uh, Cintiq uh, tablets that have you know a, a display and a touchscreen built in as a tertiary device, I haven't seen anybody come up with something that's just an augmented thing, aside from like a, a stream deck. But that's just a, a bunch of little buttons that you can pre-program and press. It's not like a touchscreen per se. So uh, I think that there's room for this idea mm-hmm. to be fleshed out a little bit. Um, I would not buy a ZenBook Pro Duo 15 OLED device, uh, which is what this is built into. Um, but not because I don't think it's a valid device because mm-hmm. I've got a Surface Book 3 here that we're talking on right now. Um, and it's got everything that I need. If I needed to have a touch device that I can write on, I can just spin my display around or detach it and put it on backwards and and so on where I have another main display right here. Um, so maybe it's just a moot point all around that, uh, cool tech, uh, does look cool with the view Sonic. What I, I don't care about 8k. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, what ifs there, uh, that I don't really, need to get into because I don't have any answers, but what is the colorblind mode? That That's intriguing. I, so I could use this to drive at night now. That's what I'm hearing. Well, and this is, I don't have a clear answer. Uh, previous uh, displays from Ezo, uh, they have had a colorblind mode in them as well for creatives that needed to design billboards or, you know, bus stop ads um, that could be seen properly by people that are colorblind. That's so me. That That's case, what I'm that, getting at. So that the colorblind mode um, would let somebody with regular vision envision the ad uh, in what a colorblind person would see, uh, not the other way around. So it's oh, not no. like a colorblind person would have augmentation of colors. And so when they talk about this here, 
It says this colorblind mode allows the user to simulate colorblindness. Okay. Um, not for uh, a colorblind person to simulate regular vision. To simulate be, being a normal person. <laughs> which seems like it shouldn't be that hard because you've got those colorblind glasses yeah. that you could put on that, that let certain wavelengths through more than others uh, to I've tried those. rebalance your vision. And I, did, did they work for you? I don't know. I don't know because it's so, <laughs> okay. well, no, because it's so, it's so subjective. And again, I, I, I'm, I'm not a colorblind expert beyond the fact that I've been colorblind my entire life. Obviously, I don't, I don't think you can develop that. That being said, I, 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 I seem to believe it in my head anyways, that I have somehow, my mind has been trained to recognize colors based on shape and proximity. Meaning, for most of my life, uh, I, I couldn't tell the the, the red stoplight from a, a green. I, I can't I can't see the difference. Right. I can see the physical difference. One is above the other, obviously, unless you're in Saskatchewan and then they're side by side. What's that about? But <laughs> they're, the fact that they're now it's now above or below has tricked my brain into distinguishing between those two shades. Right. And, and so you found your path through that. But if, if you had a monitor that could display colors with different intensities to more closely mimic what I would see in your work, um, would that, I, I don't think that would be helpful for you. No, because it's such a narrow, like you have to be viewing it on that display in that environment uh, and anything else. You're looking at your phone, you're seeing it on your phone. You're uh, just looking at the world in general. You're not going to see the world that way. Uh, and maybe that's why that hasn't been a thing, but conceivably to adjust the intensities of certain colors on a display to match or, or to, to counteract with uh, different varieties of colorblindness. I, it seems trivial to be able to do that. It's like mm -hmm. a color profile that, that just has to be loaded uh, based on what type of color blindness you have and possibly the severity of it. Uh, and that's why they make these glasses in a bunch of different varieties too. Right. Um, I don't know why that hasn't been a thing yet. I'm going to try it now. I'm going to try a different portion of the population. I'm going to try different profiles on my, on my computer and go and do those, you know, the dot tests that you get, the circle tests. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I've I've done a lot, and some of them will actually show you a different number if you're colorblind versus if you have regular vision. Yeah, I usually I usually on the red green ones I see I see none of them, but now I'm going to try it under different profiles and probably still see none. But I'm excited by it. <laughs> okay. okay, well I'm glad I can get you exci excited about your colorblindness. Um, but for 8K, just to go over this quickly, uh, the VP3286-8K uh, has a resolution of the full 8K, uh, uh, well, uh, as they call it, uh, 7,680 by 4,320 um, and displays 99% of the RGB color space. And you want to have a color accurate display, regardless of the resolution, the more accurate it is, I think is more important than the actual resolution. Um, I do a fair amount of, uh, of video editing uh, in 5.9K now that I'm doing some documentary film work. And I'm just cutting little strips of it out and putting samplers together and what have you to people. It's not like a, an end production. Uh, but 
to have a higher resolution helps me critically see where my focus is, especially for macro work. Um, and uh, to have all of my user interface smaller and uh, and the uh, the video footage larger in the frame, I think would be an asset. However, I also mentioned that I'm using a Surface Book 3. And not a lot of graphics cards on mobile platforms uh, can handle an 8K display appropriately right now. Right. I think we're, we're still waiting for that to come into fruition. Uh, and the standards for which they're able to output, um, I don't think I've ever heard of an 8K display that does 60 frames per second yet. They're usually around 30 frames per second. And while that doesn't matter for a lot of people, um, I would want to have something that kind of hits all those checkboxes. And I, I'm i glad that it, it, it exists. It's there. Uh, it's ready for us to go out and buy if you have $5,000 US <laughs> to spend on it. Uh, I've got a lot of other things that I need to spend $5,000 on. I just spent a little bit over $5,000 replacing the roof of my house. Um, and that that was a priority versus an 8K monitor. Good call. Yeah. So uh, anyhow, that's there. Uh, if you want it, you can get it. Uh, but let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, it's actually current, but, you know, it's uh, retro. Uh, reported on uh, Petapixel here, we have um, uh, from a... Uh, it's a Studio 41 has produced a, a short documentary Studio C41. C41, yes, of course. Which is kind of important. It is. Um, <laughs> and they've produced an eight-minute documentary film that they call Kodak Behind the Scenes. Now, Petapixel labels it as behind the scenes of how Kodak film is made. And there's a bit of a disparity between that title <laughs> and what's in the documentary, but uh, I know that you do a lot of film work. Right. Uh, and so I added this to the rundown. Uh, I, and I don't mean just film as in analog. I mean, you shoot motion picture stuff. Correct. Uh, for uh, a variety of clients. First of all, what do you think about the, um, the state of Kodak right now? And what do you think about the production of this uh, mini film? Uh, I'm going to hand it over to you. You just run with it. <laughs> uh, what do I think of Kodak? Um, I, you know, I want them to stick around. I like shooting film. Uh, but let's talk about the, the, the short, was it eight minutes? Something like that, yeah. Okay, it's fine. It, there's, a, there's. If you look at this, there's, there's. I don't want to be too harsh because it, it seems like this guy who, who's making this is relatively new. Even though I looked at his, I looked at the rest of his page. He's got quite a few videos up, so good for him. But he's a little low on view, so I'm guessing he's relatively new uh, to, to doing this. There's a lot of good stuff in it, a lot of good elements, uh, but there's definitely room for some for improvement, of course. Uh, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to rip rip on the guy. As oh, as, it's it's like a photo critique. You can say the good, the bad, the ugly, the way that you can improve. I enjoyed it, um, but I also think that it kind of missed the mark in terms of building a proper narrative. Correct. Um, yes, they they depended on a lot of historical footage of advertisements and things to show how uh, Kodak evolved uh, over time. Um, but it was really based in the here and now, and so the interjection of the the history. I think was helpful, but also derailing the process of going through what they're currently doing. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I'm glad that a lot of their 
I don't want to call it uh, archaic, but antiquated at least, uh, equipment is still fully functional. And the fact that I can go out and I can buy some ectochrome right now right. Uh, because they've been able to revitalize uh, their, their slide film format. I just picked this up from BNH in my last order. So this one expires uh, in October of 2022. So I got some time before I have to use that. And hopefully that, uh, there'll, there'll be more future batches of it. And, right. and we see that stuff being produced in this video. Now this, this movie, this, this, this reminded me of something, this video is, first of all, you, you want to tell stories visually, which is very difficult to do when most of the process happens in the dark. Yeah, I was so going to mention that. Major, major difficulty there doing a visual subject matter. But there is a, a movie that I, a, a short film that I will, that was it was introduced to us as the gold standard of short documentaries when I was in film school. Basically, how, how to tell a story without any words. Like it's completely visual. And it's a NFB Canada short film called Nails. Okay, and I just I got through half of it today. Long story short, couldn't couldn't finish it because I hadn't seen it in a while. Um, and it's and, and that's free to watch online. Free to watch on YouTube. Uh, the NFB puts a lot of stuff up. I highly recommend that. And then um, the um, um, oh no the the what's it called the I can't think I of it now. Know. The lumberjacks. <laughs> the lumberjacks waltz. That's what I'm, it's not. It's called the log the log rollers waltz. Now I feel terrible. It's a Canadian classic. Um, anyways, uh, check out Nails. It, you can find it on on on. I'll, I'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, make sure that you send me a, a a link to where we can find the appropriate version of that. Will do. Um, so that people can. I, I think that photography is a. I, it needs to stand on its own without words. Although sometimes you know the title of a photograph can give a message uh, mm -hmm. uh, to to the meaning of it, but. Oftentimes a photo is removed from its titles or its descriptions. Uh, and it's an interesting dynamic to try to play uh, with a uh, motion picture without words as well. Uh, and I've seen some uh, foreign language produced uh, short films on Netflix or, you know, Prime Video or whatever. You know, some of these will come up and uh, some of them are designed for kids. We watched one the other day uh, about, um, uh, uh, I forget the name of it, uh, an older gentleman. This was an animated thing um, that was staring at an easel for the longest time uh, and uh, and gets a visit from his, uh, I guess, daughter and granddaughter. And, uh, and the entire thing plays out over a couple of minutes and it's uh, completely without words. And it's really emotional at the end of it. And so you can, uh, you can make something without those words and you can play in different ways on it. Um, I, I think that Kodak, I mean, they've, they've been, um, they've been branding themselves in different ways. They've been licensing their brand, I should say, uh, in, in different ways. In fact, on a previous episode, I had reached back and I grabbed this, uh, I picked up um, from, uh, what is this, uh, uh, Rito classic, uh, Rito production limited, uh, licensed the Kodak brand to make these, uh, these little film, uh, holders here. And I don't know why I can't particularly open this on oh, that pulls <laughs> off yeah, that, and then this comes out. Uh, and so these little, uh, they're little film canister holders for 35 millimeter film. And uh, I bought one that matched the Ektachrome. I got another one as well. And they're actually pretty well made. Um, solid metal, and they click back together quite nicely and solidly. And uh, I can't remember what I paid for them, and um, I don't know how often I will use them. But it just felt like a nice little retro, tangible element of photography yeah. uh, to get my hands back on. How does it smell? Okay. 
smells kind of like plastic. Okay. Um, like the, like the, the new plastic smell, like you open up a box of something and it's got that residual smell of like a rubbery. But bit. you know why I'm asking, right? Like the, the... It doesn't smell like film. Oh, see, that's the part. When you open up a film canister, it, it, I, I love that smell. Like that film, that that celluloid smell. It's probably not even celluloid. It's probably dust. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I love. I have, I have a I have a very strong sense memory to that particular smell. So that's going to smell like that after a while. Go put some store some film in there for a couple of months. It's yeah, I'll smell throw like those that. rolls of it in there, and then I'll throw it in the freezer so that it lasts longer. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Log Drivers Waltz, by the way. That's the name of the... Log Drivers Waltz. Give me the link to that one for, as well. Very classic. If you will, Alan, that would be, uh, that would be great. For our non-Canadian listeners, it'll explain Canada to you. So Yes. Uh, in a nutshell, anything uh, regarding lumberjacks and log driving, I think yeah. uh, sums Canada up uh, pretty well. So you asked me earlier, though, like, you know, will, will, will film exist? Will it, was there a future for it? I believe there is. I, I think Kodak is going, hopefully Kodak sticks with it. There is going to be maybe a little after the quote-unquote winter, not the actual winter, but there is obviously, you know, been a, a massive down trend yep. for film getting more and more. I, I'm, no, I'm no prognosticator. I do feel that once we get through these uh, crazy times we're in right now, I think there's going to be a, a renewed push for tactile things, for meeting people in, in, in person, for taking actual photos and, and having celluloid. I think that is going to exist. Um, That's right. Digital uh, is better. I, I Digital won so long ago. Digital is quote unquote better. But film is actually better. Like, let me, like if you if you put it that it's way, it's more tangible. It's more uh, like you, you can hold it in your hand. You can feel attached to it. Not just um, that. Not just that. Now, here I, I thought of the, ex the example. I thought of is I do not now, nor in the last twenty years, have I owned a microwave oven. Okay. Don't have one. Don't want one. Can't use one. It's not a safety thing. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I don't believe that it's, it's making us ill, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. For me, it's a lifestyle thing. If you need your whatever, what do you make in a microwave? I don't really know. Whatever, whatever you make, if you need it in sixty seconds, you're not living your life right, man. You you want to st step back. It's like there's a comedian named Brian Regan who does a great bit on microwaving pop tarts, and because it, it's it's actual directions that says three seconds. He, he says you're, you're going to want to take stock in your life if you need three seconds. Well, I okay, so uh, brief aside, we have a microwave, we use it often, but we often use it for uh, things like heating up a cup of water to then make tea, uh, because the kettle would just take a little bit longer than that <laughs> for trying to get things ready in the morning, wrangling a small child. Okay. Um, and so there, there's a certain convenience factor with that. Or We have uh, 220 over here, so the efficiency is a little higher, the, the water does boil faster, so... Right. And, uh, you know, the other day my wife made me the most delicious burger ever. And she had like three layers of different meats in it and stuff. And it was just phenomenal, but I couldn't eat it all. Now, that's not an easy thing to reheat in any other way than a microwave. Right. Um, and so my leftover five or six bites of that burger, they were warmed up in the microwave. So there, there are certain things that 
that it gets used for, mm-hmm. um, but it's not an everyday occurrence. There you go. So to me, that's that's the difference between digital and film by the sheer fact that you have to work a little harder for it. You are more careful and the lifestyle is better. That being said, I have I lost track five, six, seven digital cameras and uh, I, I, not quite as many film, but I do. I still have film, but less. I, I like digital better, but I don't. I have a collection of film cameras that I try to use at least once, uh, once I procure them. Right. Um, but, but then they just kind of, they sit there in a display case. I've got a wonderful set of stereoscopic 3D uh, cameras, including one that's right here. Uh, and I, I love them. Uh, do I use them often? No, almost never. Right. Uh, so uh, that's just part of the process. And I, I know I'm not everybody, but when I do, I feel a stronger connection towards the final product mm-hmm. uh, than I do. Uh, it's just different. It's like listening to vinyl versus listening to something on your phone. I've just spent the last week uh, or so, as, as I mentioned, scanning old negatives because I don't have, the, I'd rather scan the prints, but I don't have the prints with me. So I'm scanning the negatives and so my kids, as I mentioned, seven and nine years old, do not know what film is, even though I've tried to explain it to them many times. <laughs> they finally saw me scanning the, these negatives, and they were fascinated. Like they, like, they couldn't get enough of it. And, and so I sat them down, showed them how it all works, and, you know, the, the fact the negative means it's a negative. And then I scanned some slides, which was a positive, which blew their minds. Um, but I, I think, I, I don't think it's gone entirely. I, I think that there is a certain fascination, uh, that will come with the next generations. And so there's, there's a lot of misconceptions or misunderstandings about, about things like that. And, you know, especially today when we get into a world where, um, you know, the things that we see, uh, whether it's on social media, uh, uh whether it's in the, the, the news or whatever feeds, um, you have an immediate, uh, association to what you know, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, you, you don't associate to anything else, obviously, because you have to kind of frame it in your own knowledge base. Um, and this brings me to the last story, which is a bit of a, uh, a miscommunication uh, conundrum. Yeah, do you ever play broken telephone when you were in uh, in elementary school, where somebody whispers something into your ear, you whisper the same thing into somebody else's, and by the time it gets you know, 10 people down, it's in a completely different phrase. It's just completely misunderstood. Mm. Uh, I was in the Cub Scouts. We played that. Yeah, sure. There you go. Um, so, uh, I, and I don't like to get necessarily political uh, on this podcast, but this is not really political. This is really about journalism and photojournalism as it comes down to it. Um, where, uh, reported by Petapixel, Twitter users thought the name of this capital rioter was Via Getty. The infamous dastardly Via Getty strikes again. Um, I used because, to eat, I used to eat canned Via Gettys as a kid. They're excellent. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> I, I I drove one. It was my first car. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's uh, anyhow. Um, I don't even want to name the guy because uh, I don't think that he deserves any particular attention. But a guy that stormed uh the u.s capitol recently in the last week um stole the uh speaker of the house's uh lectern well his name isn't buffalo guy is it it is not buffalo guy it was buffalo guy right you know what i i think that this man should be mandated by law to rename himself legally oh no i thought he was i thought he was buffalo horns guy no he's uh he's toot guy yeah he's toot guy but he should be legally mandated to change his name to via getty at this point uh, I, I think that would be a look. I don't. I don't approve of what he did, but that's a million dollar smile. 
Like this guy's in the wrong business. You should be. This guy should be doing doing like he should be like a movie star with that smile instead of stealing things. Oh, don't give him more attention. Uh, but the, the the point of bringing this story up is the fact that so many people misunderstood the reported information. Right. Uh, and so the fact that the image was uh, provided via Getty Images, that was misconstrued as the name of a person. And, and this really kind of, it, it struck a, a, an interesting thought in my mind where, okay, how much information are we seeing plainly delivered that is being misinterpreted by the people receiving it versus... Mm-hmm. Um, how much news is overtly opinionated that we see choose your news network. They have a slant, they have a bias. Um, and so that bias is there. And how would you interpret that information based on it being fact in your mind? And even the facts get misconstrued by people seeing them in a different way. Uh, the point that I'm trying to boil down to here, um, Alan is as photographers, the take images, that try to present them as some level of unbiased reporting. Mm-hmm. Is that even possible anymore? Or back then? I mean, when, when's the cutoff? Is it now? Is it, yeah. is it 100 years ago? I don't think it ever, ever it's was. A sliding scale. There's, there's a third option, by the way, in, in, in all that. Um, there's also the fact that the 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 reporters or the or whomever the news tries to get it right and still gets minor details wrong if you've ever seen an article about you in a newspaper or a magazine which i have and i think wow that's not even true that's not what i told you and it's not not on purpose it's just little bits get sort of Mixed that up. broken telephone game. It only has to go one yeah. step. And it's minor uh, things. But so when, when you see it about yourself and you, you you know, A, it's not true. B, I didn't say that. But I can see how you took it that way. But however, something got messed up. And then apply it to every other article that must have a few errors in it. Albeit completely unintentional. But now you're asking about are they doing it on purpose? Or can you, as a photographer, can you expect your work to be portrayed in an honest fashion unless you control the the com- the final edit, the the writing around it, the publication, and that person's the person viewing it? No, you cannot. Yeah. Well, and it was reported um, uh, by Ryan Liza. Uh, and uh, I pulled him up on Twitter. He is uh, chief Washington correspondent for uh, Politico, senior political analysis uh, analyst for CNN. And apparently he's writing a book. But, um, you know, he he's uh, working for multiple networks. And he said, um, via Getty, one of the rioters steals a podium from the Capitol. Now, uh, number one, mm-hmm. he should know better. Uh, you know, if anybody yeah. should know better, it's somebody that is working for at least two large news agencies about how those things come together. Uh, but if he gets it wrong, how many other people do? And, you know, if you look down in the article, somebody created a parody account uh, via Getty <laughs> on, on Twitter. And uh, his pinned tweet is I've been seeing a lot of misinformation out there. So I want to set the record straight. A podium is something you stand on. A lectern is something you stand at. Either way, it looks great in my living room. Okay. Uh, So (laughs) I I didn't know that. I've learned something new, that that is a lectern and not a podium uh, that was stolen 
but what's a credenza? A lot of information. You know, we've got to distill it all down and find a way to make it useful for us. Right. I, I think the ultimate thing is, I don't know how much time you spend on Twitter. It's kind of, it's both, it's it's hilarious and scary and sad and, and. and There's a lot of doom scrolling that happens on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's why I mostly stopped. That's why I, I have walked away from most of Twitter because of, honestly, just to stop it. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there is – now keep in mind, look, what people think is via Getty. I, I understand that he should have known better. People should know better, I guess, or, or not really I, I, We got to give props to Win. Uh, uh, Win. Uh, uh, yeah, he's McNamee. not making it better. Win McNamee yeah. uh, took the picture. Uh, and so he's the the actual photographer that snapped this photograph uh, at the center of this. Do I want to call it a controversy? I don't think it's a controversy. I think it's just misinformation. But right. Um, you know, uh, good on you for taking the photo, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I well, remember how you said earlier, like you said that 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 you you watch television and you get some blips or whatever it is, and we've we've lowered the bar and we've accepted it. Now, that's what's happened in life too. As so this is my this is my opinion of of you know we know people are stupid. That's what they are, and we expect them. So we lowered our expectations and they still come under, you know? And so we said, well, we can't judge them. We can't judge them. I disagree. I judge. I judge not IQ. I don't judge. I, I should, probably shouldn't even say stupid people. That's probably not allowed anymore. But what, I, I don't judge that. What I do judge, I, I honestly, I judge effort. If you are under-informed on anything important, and that's just okay with you. You literally do not care to inform yourself on something that is important to you. Ah, I can't. I can't abide by that. That's what I judge. Yeah, you know. I, so to all those people, I, I, all I'm those, not going to say the guy's name, but he is a 36 year old man from Florida. Uh, that, <laughs> no, I, I guess. I guess I'm like, not going to judge him based on that. There, are, I'm sure there are. A oh lot no, but all of, the of 30 year old Florida men that are good people. But there's also a reason why the phrase Florida man right. comes up in my news feed <laughs> more often than, you know, uh, Louisiana man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or Michigan man. man. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Rhode Island doesn't come up that often. No. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. There's the bias of population densities. I get that. Okay. But, um, and look, <laughs> here's the thing is though, but like in terms of, you know, I, I have upped my expectations. So up yours. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I, I, I judge everybody. Uh, you, you can't, if you say you don't judge somebody, you're lying to yourself. Everybody judges every human being, the way they walk, the way they look, the way they talk, everything. But it's whether or not you judge them based on appropriate, informed, uh, you know, thought processes, mm -hmm. uh, or if you're just doing a knee-jerk reaction to a stereotype uh, or you just have some ingrained bias in your personality from your parents or your religion or your political views or so on and so forth. Um, we all judge people. Everybody judges everybody. To say that you don't judge is being disingenuous to the fact sure. that you look at somebody else that's not yourself and you recognize that that's not you uh, and you inherently start the judging process. You I know, do it all the time. Like, hair? Well, wow, that's rainbow hair. That's a judgment. <laughs> uh, you know, like well, my whatever it happens one, to be. For example, is like everybody knows Nikon shooters are idiots. Everybody. Everybody me. knows. Uh, <laughs> no, but, everybody send your emails to Dawn. Yeah, uh, send your emails to the Two Hosers Photo Show. <laughs> oh, gladly. Uh, about, 
I don't uh, read no, those. I mean, you see the Canon Nikon battles all over the place. You know, Sony might get an, uh, a word in Edgewise. Uh, most of the other periphery companies, whether it be Panasonic, uh, Olympus, Pentax, uh, they just sit, ba- uh, sit back and just eat the popcorn. They just watch of the, course. Uh, the poop hit the fan. and uh, Move more and, units. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so at the end of the day, we, we're all judging. Uh, we, we judge photos that we see. Uh, we judge movies that we watch. Uh, we judge conversations that we have. And, and, and every interaction in our lives, there's a judgment. So I, I hear you. Uh, judge, but judge fairly. And try to be a better judge, a fairer judge of everything around you. And I think the world might be a better place. The more information that you have in any scenario, the better. And this is a great case of misinformation. Uh, and a lot of people saying, arrest via Getty. <laughs> that is a that is a judgment. Um, that is a very misinformed judgment. Uh, I think we're missing the obvious here. Can I buy one of those lecterns on uh, eBay? Uh, I'm sure. You no, no, can. no, not that one. I mean, I mean, like a, a, a knockoff. Obviously, I don't want that one. Well, I'm sure you can buy one without that seal. I think that seal probably has some protections over it. No, I want that um, exact one. I would like one of those just for the house. Um, well, uh, Photoshop it into your living room. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'll find the link. I'll send you the link. <laughs> All right. Oh, that brings us to the end of the stories uh, for this week. Thank you for going through those with me, um, Alan. It's been a bit of a gauntlet. Um, but uh, picks of the week. Um, do you have anything that you've been uh, using or could recommend at all in the last little while? I do. And this is this. I, I noticed, I saw yours, and this marks the first time that mine is more expensive than yours. I always go for the cheapest <laughs> thing. I thought I went for the cheapest thing possible again, and, uh, and, and you, under, you underbid me. I finally, after years and years and years of, of not being able to pull the trigger, I bought an LED, like a dimmable studio light. Oh, cool. Which one did you get? I got the, uh, to pronounce it, Newer. Is that, is that how you say it? Newer, yeah. Uh, N-E-E-W-E-R. That's that. Uh, yep. Which I assume is just a European version of whatever other it's being sold in North America. It's yeah, it's the same. a Chinese manufacturer. I right. mean, they do make some good stuff. Uh, I believe I have some like lens adapters and stuff by them because it's just machined aluminum from one person to the next. It, right. Yes, you can get it properly, uh, you know, material analyzed to be made of brass and and uh, down to the submicron adjustments and so on from some German manufacturer. But, you know, to be honest, sometimes for those cheap pieces of metal or cheap lights, yeah, the cheapest option can be good. Yeah. It, it can be bad. Uh, like I just bought uh, an Apple tour and I, uh, maybe this will be a pick in, in, in a future week. One of their LS 300 X, uh, studio lights, uh, to do some video production work. And, uh, it's fantastic. So as best as I can see so far, but their extension tubes from the same brand, they fall apart the second <laughs> you take them out of the box. Yeah. Uh, yep. so, you know, choose your battles. The brands don't have a brand loyalty associated with them, but what is this exact, uh, product that you have here? I don't, I'll send, send you the link to the, to which version it is. Yep. It's the, uh, it was about 90 bucks or 90 euros. Um, I, I mean, that's ridiculously cheap for what that is. Uh, dimmable, you can adjust the color balance. It does oh, a, cool. does a reasonable job at it. it I, it's, it's, it's not a, a, you know, it's not a high end, uh, HMI light or something like that, or, or some pro movie light, but it's going to serve everything I need. Um, batteries are extra. So that was about another 40 bucks for two large. They use like the Sony knockoff. So like the Sony batteries. 
Uh, what is the Sony? Is it V mount or what is the? I don't I'm not know. Familiar with all these different battery. Uh, I forget. Elements. I was. Uh, go, anyway. God forbid that they would be a, a battery. I already have a charger for, but no, they're not. So now I have <laughs> charger number eight thousand in the house. But uh, so I got those two two of those the large, massive, high capacity batteries and the charger were an additional forty bucks. So all in for one hundred and thirty. I kind of always wanted one just for some simple interviews for for uh, film work comes in very handy for uh, stills as well. Sometimes uh, Adam has always been pushing me. He's had one for a number of years. He, he bought one uh, about five years ago and uses it all the time. Has always been pushing me to get one. And finally I did. So I do recommend them. It doesn't replace your flash. It's a different animal, but it's really quite cool. Very, very handy. And uh, I'm glad I picked that up. All right. Well, that will be in the show notes. Uh, make sure you get me the link to that as well, Alan. Uh, we'll put that in when the episode goes live. Um, how much did it set you back for the entire setup? You said about 90 euros for the light and, and 40 for the chargers. Yeah, so 38 or something like that. So just yeah. under under 100, 130. Not bad in terms of the cost of photographic equipment. I mean, if that ups your game, mm -hmm. uh, that's far less expensive than a new lens or camera. Or oh, and this one has barn doors as well. I, I spent a little couple extra bucks, got the barn doors in the front. Uh, and, and that's like getting that, uh, that lens hood, uh, on, on your lens, right? You know, it's, it's going to look cool. I'm sure. It's going to really improve your work, but it's going to look, cool. um, the, the, the lens, the, uh, the barn doors do let you sort of control the light somewhat. Well, yeah, I, I'm being a little facetious when I say yes. that. I use a lens hood when I'm outside in bright sunlight and I'm shooting roughly in the direction of the sun or whatever else too. Right. Um, but it's not applicable to every scenario, but it still makes you look cooler. Um, oh, definitely. And Adam doesn't have one on his, so I'm one plus one. <laughs> there you go. Um, so my pick is is actually one that uh, you don't have to use it for photography, but and a lot of us are sitting in front of computers talking to other people rather than in person, which is what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I've noticed some grunge starting to uh, build up on my monitors. But Where does it come from, Don? Where does it come from, honestly? My, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, opening up a can of Coke and, and a random spot goes somewhere. You don't notice it until it's like this dry, mm -hmm. sticky goop on, on the display. Uh, I've got a four and a half year old daughter, uh, as I've mentioned numerous times. And so there are so many messes around the house. And like, I, I thought I just cleaned the, the fridge. Um, why, why, what is that? <laughs> well, the why fridge I understand, green? but I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not chopping tomatoes by my, my, my computer. Well, that's you, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but no, so I, I found this, um, uh, the screen cleaning solution called whoosh screen shine. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of screen cleaners out there and, and I've got some, uh, uh, aerosolized stuff for like, uh, cleaning glass, but I figured, well, I mean, there's, I know that there's chemicals in there. The glass is going to survive that, but you know, screens are delicate in some ways, especially a nice matte, big display. I don't want to wear it out. I don't want to cause any damage to it. Uh, but I also don't want streaks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, that would be the worst on, you know, your big professional working display. And uh, it's a safe for all screens, no uh, alcohol or ammonia. And uh, it just, it works well. Uh, it's uh, $22.99 for a 500 milliliter bottle. I don't expect I'll ever use this all <laughs> uh, for the amount of times that I actually utilize it. Uh, but they say um, that it's the same bottle used by Apple stores to clean all of their devices. And so that kind of uh, reassured me a little bit. Uh, and it's made in uh, Toronto, Ontario. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to probably check it, check that out. Cause the one I've been uh, using right now is called. And so it, it works, <laughs> but eh. 
And it came with a really nice microfiber cloth that I don't have handy. I think it's in the wash. How many microfiber um, cloths do you own in your house? Uh, I bought a pack of 30 of them. You buy them. I get them, free, get them free with everything now. Well, yeah, but the, the really thicky, uh, thicky, the thicker, poofier ones, uh, are, are my favorite because they just absorb so much more. Right. Um, and, and I find that they, they're okay once they've been washed once or twice, but after that, they just have too much lint that, mm-hmm. uh, that is stuck to them. So I treat them as semi-disposable. They're, they're only good for a couple of uses. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll find what pack of them I bought that worked really well. Uh, and it wasn't expensive. It, the cost per cloth ended up being less than a dollar. Um, and with multiple uses... Uh, to, to clean your lenses, your displays, your monitors, whatever, a couple of cents here and there, I think is money well spent. See, I'm, we, we manufactured our own, uh, microfiber tank tops, uh, you can just wear. Um, yeah, I, I can see the loom right mm-hmm. behind you where, where you make all the fabric. That's right? what we do. And also fun fact, it is actually uh, neutral gray. So it acts as a gray card. It's, it's a two in one. You are a Renaissance man, sir. All right. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, that, uh, if anybody can't tell, uh, Alan was just lying, but wow. I'm well, maybe. you are in Southern Germany. I'm thinking right? of it. I am. A, what does that mean? I'm, I'm thinking of it now, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, great. you, you are an in, inventive and, uh, and, uh, very creative uh, folk that use everybody or everything around you, uh, to, uh, to come up with really interesting inventions to the nines. True. Uh, those, those Southern Germans, they've always been, uh, you know, quite respected for their ability to be resourceful. I'm just, as I'm thinking of it, honestly, my, and you're not my, a German, you're a Canadian. I get correct. That, my ski jacket, my ski jacket that I bought here in Germany, it has a microfiber cloth sewn into the inside breast pocket. So you can clean your goggles right there on the left. So there you go. That's, that's yeah, that's cranking it to 11 right there. Good job, Germany. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Alan, it was a joy to have you back on the podcast. Um, and, uh, I'll hopefully have you back on again in the next little while because, uh, you don't really have much else to do right now, do you? <laughs> no, uh, I have a, f- a few irons in the fire, actually, which I'm, I want to talk to you off air about really quick. So uh, hopefully more about that in the real world uh, in a couple months. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to Photo Geek Weekly. Again, the show notes are at photogeekweekly.com. Just type the two hosers photo show uh, into Google and you will find it either on your phone, your desktop, where you can subscribe because that podcast is one that I listen to on a regular basis as well. Um, And uh, Alan, thanks again. Thanks to everybody that's listening. Now it's time to stay in and shoot.